Hello again, friends, and welcome to the Young Anglicans podcast. The Young Anglicans podcast is a place for conversation and discussion about ministry to teenagers through the lens of Anglicanism. It's hosted by me, Andrew Unger, and me, Eric Overholt. We're both real-life Anglican youth pastors who want to see young people find and follow Jesus for the rest of their lives. We're glad you're with us. So we're back from our hiatus, um, otherwise known as... Unplanned hiatus. (laughs) Unplanned, but very real hiatus. Um, And so, yeah, Eric, how was your summer? How was your hiatus? Uh, it was not a hiatus from uh, anything except this podcast. Uh, <laughs> I had a crazy busy summer. I was gone from my home like 30 days out of the 90 days that the summer was. Actually, not even 90. It was like 75 days. I was gone 30 of them. Um, I went to PYG, took a big trip to PYG, road trip from L.A. all the way to Dallas with a couple of students. Uh, had a great time. That was like a 10-day trip, and then I came back for a week and a half and left on vacation with my family. We did another road trip. We went to Colorado, where I have some family there. And the day after I came back from vacation, uh, I drove down to Biola University and went to had an amazing experience down at Wheatstone. Uh, It's a camp that um, they're kind of an independent camp started it's there they've got a close relationship to the tory honors institute um at biola which most people probably don't know what that is it's you know classical education um at on camp it's a you can get some kind of degree in classics or something um but but they're doing things using socratic methods and the dialectic and really fancy stuff like that um but anyway there's this ministry that's kind of grown out of that called wheatstone and they do doing youth ministry and doing these camps, been doing the camps for a while, and they're starting to shift and do some youth leader training as well. Um, so I did that. That was a really, really awesome experience. Um, and then I came back, and like a week and a half after I finished that, I led uh, a retreat for some of my students in my youth group. I had a bunch of students who were moving into high school. So okay. uh, I created a little, little – it wound up just being – it wasn't even an overnight. It was – we met at the church on Friday evening and then spent the day at the church together on, on Saturday. Uh, they slept in their own beds on Friday night. But it was just about, you know, hey, what is this transition like um, kind of retreat? Uh, All right. cre- just created some space to, to both mark and celebrate, but to also give some place to process what this tra- what that transition was like. Anyway, did that. And then shortly after that, school started and here we are. Yeah. Ready or not into it. So yeah, I had like zero time to plan for the fall. Yeah. (laughs) Are, uh, do you have fall plans though? Do you have a, an Uh, agenda? Yeah. Well, I knew part of it is that I knew we were going to do another youth alpha course for the fall. Uh, and we've done it, I don't know, four or five times in our youth group now. So we, I kind of know what that entails and what's needed. Plus I also knew that so many of the students in my youth group, we're switching schools because they're going from, from middle school to high school. And a lot of them are just like literally going from one student going from a a private school back into public school. And, 
mm-hmm. um, these two students going from this middle school to a magnet high school and this one going from public school into private school. So it's like of the 10 or so students who were moving from middle school into, um, into high school, only two of them were actually going to the school that they would have, that you would normally think they would go yeah, to. Yeah, that, that naturally makes flows sense. out. Yeah. So what um, kind of things do you do? That's interesting that the sort of like rite of passage marking, talking about transitions, what does that look like to prepare students for transitions? Yeah, well, I, I'm convinced that the Lord did not allow me to plan that retreat until after I went to Wheatstone. Okay. Because the Wheatstone camp is designed as a rite of passage. That's exactly actually what, what the, the, uh, the organizer calls it, is a rite of passage. Okay. And in that case, it's, a, it's an invitation into Christian adulthood. And that's partly because the Wheatstone idea is that youth is defined, like the definition of a youth is someone who is transitioning from childhood into adulthood. Mm-hmm. That's how we would define it. And so, um, especially once you get into high school years and early, even early college years as well, uh, what we need to be doing is offering students a vision of what Christian adulthood is and inviting them into adulthood, giving them experiences of what it would be like, of what it is like to be an adult. Um, in yeah. a in in a safe environment, in a place where where you know there's there's people around them who love and care for them and can um, help walk through whatever this is, um, whatever it is they're dealing with. So that sounds. Oh, go ahead and, and finish. I, ha- I have a few thoughts about that, but but yeah, finish up your. Yeah. So what 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 I what I basically did for for that retreat was talk about the first thing I said to them was this retreat has nothing to do with school, right? We're, Mm -hmm. we're, we're doing this in, in a sense because of where you are in your school age, but that's more because of it, but it's more because of where life is, is taking you. And you, you start high school at this age because of where you are as a, as a, an, a a human that is maturing. Um, and that what I was, I, I called the retreat the invitation mm-hmm. and it was, Hey, will you come with me and take your first steps into Christian adulthood? So I just basically, I ripped off a lot of ideas from Wheatstone, yeah. took, took some of their message even, um, and even did a, a decent number of their activities, but it was basically, it's an invitation to, to take your first steps into adulthood and I, kind of framing what the next few years in youth group are going, hopefully going to be like for them as they, as it becomes this transition into adulthood. Yeah. I really like that language of, um, of like giving them sort of opportunities to sort of step into adulthood in a safe space where they can fail. Like I might've said it here on the podcast before, like my favorite, um, metaphor for adolescence is that it's life's internship that it's this like you're sort of like putting on your suit for the first time and showing up to work and like i'm gonna pretend like i'm a real worker but you're really not yet but i really like that in contrast to um 
there's a lot of language about adolescence that's sort of like it's unnecessary we and in response to the the reality of extended adolescence that most people don't leave fully leave adolescence now until they're like late 20s that we sort of say american high schools were a bad idea adolescence is a bad idea just just be a freaking adult already like you're 14 go get a job pay the rent like we start to treat teenagers as if they're already adolescents rather than sort of giving them a, a compass heading and saying i'm going to give you chances to start trying out adulthood yeah, right we're just saying like just be an adult already um right you're capable of it and we're going to set these expectations and there's not a there's no recognition that like you're probably going to fail yeah um, and that's okay right yeah that, like that's not the end of the world. But, but I actually, actually think in our culture, culturally, we do the opposite these days, which is we, we see kids being kids Mm -hmm. and teenagers being teenagers and never giving them responsibility, never giving them Liberty, never, never expecting anything more of them. And then being surprised when they don't grow up and they still live in mom's basement. Like, yeah. like when there's never any expectation put on me, when, when we never treat them as proto adults, right. they just stay kids. Yeah. Uh, and that, that to me, that that's a big part of what I'm taking. What, so for me, Wheatstone, and I, and I want to be careful not to talk too much about Wheatstone right now, because we're going to have, I, I know I'm, I'm hopeful that the, the executive director of Wheatstone, Peter Gross, will come on the podcast and he's going to do yeah. a way better yeah. job talking about all this stuff than I will. Um, cause I'm still just kind of dipping my toes in the whole thing. But for me, yeah. Wheatstone, Wheatstone did a lot more in like clarifying things for me and putting, putting language on ideas that I had, than it did necessarily give me brand new ideas about things. Sure. Yeah. Um, but it gave me a reason why, I want my students, for example, the last thing we did as, as part of this freshman retreat was, uh, we took a hike, um, mm-hmm. and we, we, we hiked in this area, not far from our church up into the mountains and, and watched the sunset in silence together. Actually, mm-hmm. I, I read like, as the sun was dipping behind the horizon, I read Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God, the firmament declares his whatever. I can't remember now, but, mm-hmm. um, but and so it was, it was this invitation to wonder and to like, let's, let's stare full on at the beauty of this moment and wonder at the creator who made these things in it. Wheatstone helped me to understand why it is that I want to do that with my students so badly and why yeah. I want them to appreciate the sunset the way I would appreciate the sunset. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's because that's part of the richness and the fullness of life that is adulthood. It's a way of seeing the world as an adult, as a mature and maturing person. Um, that I'm in, th- that's what I'm doing is I'm inviting them into that. Yeah. And 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 that in in this place of a person who follows Jesus knows that Je- is knows that you are loved by Jesus mm-hmm. and. Um, 
like I, I don't know, I can't quite explain what it is, but it, but it's that that sense of identity that we have as children of God, loved and cared for by the Creator of the universe, like all those things that we mean by by those things that we would say. Not, yeah, it's, it's still not like it, there's still some of it that's foggy in my brain and hasn't quite materialized yet. But um, anyway, I hope any of that makes sense. No, that's uh, I'm excited to hear from the the director. And I don't, I don't want to get too much into that, like invitation into adulthood, because I do think I think you're right. Our, our culture does, um, whether it's through like the phenomenon of helicopter parenting or whether it's um, it, there is a lot of this like push towards like just be a kid and sort of be a kid perpetually. And yet in some ways there's like, think about your future immediately. Like, Mm -hmm. like sixth graders worried about their grades because they have to get into a good college to be an adult. There's all the stress of like (laughs) success put on them that they shouldn't have yet where they need to be kids and all kinds of ways where they need to be invited. Um, and again, I see a lot of pushback against these realities that manifests in like just forcing kids to pretend like they're not teenagers anymore. And I want them to be, I want them to be teenagers. Um, I, I, I want them to get to have those experiences and get to like, yeah, be in that life stage, which is, there's a, there's a book. If, if for some reason you're hearing me say all this and you're like, that's nonsense, Andrew. Adolescence has only existed since the American high school, and we used to have people be adults. I will direct you to a book nice. um, called In Search of Adolescence, A New Look at an Old Idea. It's by Crystal Kyrgis. I think I'm pronouncing that right. K-I-R-G-I-S-S. Um, it is, uh, I think, a reworking of some of her um, academic work. Um, but basically, she looks through... The history of of adolescence and where it comes from um and as it's shown up in different time periods and first of all you're going to hear someone say at some point in your life that the first time the word adolescence is used is a guy named g stanley hall who writes a book called adolescence in 1905 and maybe a few years prior to that yeah, and I've they'll say that. that that is a lie from the pit that <laughs> like it it exists for many centuries before then in various yeah textbooks and manual like it was not invented by g stanley hall um like aristotle as he separates up the various ages of man um like includes this life stage of adolescence shakespeare talks about um in the play winter's winter's uh bone about how one character at one point says that they they wish there was no um that basically there was no age between 14 and 21 or that people slept through it because there's nothing that happens then except people wronging the ancients and getting wenches with child. And it's like, yeah, that's what, that's what people complain about teenagers doing now. Um, yeah. Well, well, what I was thinking was well, one of the things we did at Wheatstone is we spent a lot of time discussing a platonic dialogue called Lakey's. Mm-hmm. And one of the, in one spot in that particular dialogue, there's a footnote and because they're they're talking about these young men who are growing up, yeah. And so, somehow it was needed to have this footnote that you know it, what Plato would have been talking about at that time was that age between fifteen and twenty one, yeah, where a boy becomes a man or something yeah. along those lines, yeah. So and and so American high school, you know, 
high school is putting all of the 15 to 21 year or 15 to 18 year olds together in one place for eight hours a day certainly has one effect. But um, th- there is something about that age that seems to transcend or go back far beyond our modern culture that's been a part of human society for a while. Um, and, and so acknowledging that and, and just being okay with that, but not glorifying it, not not um, being weird adults who like fawn over teenagers. Like, I wish I was your age because I loved prom so much. Like, <laughs> like, look, we all wish we had disposable income and free time again. <laughs> um, sure. I, I remember those days very well. Right. Um, but let, let's not but go I, too far the other way. Yeah. I, but I would also say, and again, here I am talking about Wheatstone again, but I, partly I'm going to keep talking about Wheatstone, especially if we're having this conversation, because it really was that, like as a human being for me, it, I was there on a leader's track and I thought yeah. I was going to like observe the student's track, but it wound up yeah. the way they designed it. It wound up being camp for me. Uh, and it was it was this beautiful moment for me in my life personally, which I don't want to get into. But but I think one of the problems is that a lot of adults are doing adulthood poorly, right? Like, yeah. let's be, like actually, I, probably most adults are doing adulthood poorly. Yeah. And aren't hanging on the, the one the one thing that was mostly mine. Uh, on that retreat that I led those students on was, was the last talk that I gave. Mm -hmm. And it was because I, especially at Wheatstone while at Wheatstone and then the weeks that followed, I spent a lot of time thinking and pondering what is the difference between childishness, childishness and childlikeness, Mm -hmm. right? Childlikeness is something Jesus tells us we should have and we should desire and that we need in order to inherit the kingdom. And so what, what is that and what, how is that distinct from childishness? And childishness is an unwillingness to grow. It's all the things that we're talking about are the problem yeah. with modern, you know, 19-year-olds, right? Their, yeah. uh, their inability to grow up and take responsibility and all those kinds of things, right? That's childish. But childlikeness is embracing things like wonder and curiosity and exploration uh, in, 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 a, in the context of of goodness, truth, and beauty that's yeah. that's going to lead us deeper into maturity, right? So that's why one of Wheatstone's catchphrases is never stop growing up. And mm-hmm. I found myself like embodying that in that week that I was there. And like this was uh, giving voice to something that had been deep in my soul and I hadn't realized it for a long time that, yeah. no, I don't want to stop growing up. This doesn't mean I'm childish. And I'm, I'm exploring things in a way as an adult now that I wouldn't have when I was, you know, 14, but, but I'm still going to embrace those childlike qualities to take me deeper into maturity, deeper into who God has made me to be. Um, anyway. And you know, that makes me think of like some of the best youth leaders, um, I can think of are you know the difference between like a lifer in youth ministry like we all know them we've you've probably met a, a lifer right like they are they've been doing youth ministry since they were in their 20s and they like they've already had their own children go through their youth ministry and they're still doing youth ministry 
And there's some of them who still look like they are 22. Like they still behave like 22 year old youth pastors do. Yeah. Um, and I don't say that derogatorily about 22 year old youth pastors. It's just a very, it's a different phase of life. Um, but it's they, okay they to look like a 22-year-old like... youth pastor when you're a 22-year-old youth pastor. <laughs> but, when, but when you're 60 and a youth pastor, it's probably better not to look like a 22-year-old yeah. youth pastor. But sometimes you meet lifers or or you have a volunteer in youth ministry who is like retired, who who takes joy in in seventh graders, who sort of enjoys the, the silliness of it, who like loves that, but is clearly a grown-up, right? Right. Like, and I think that's such a huge difference is that childlikeness, childishness. And I think modeling that to our students is huge. Not saying like, oh, I'm a kid. I'm going to keep being a kid. Or like, I find myself, <laughs> I find myself sometimes being like, I'm a youth pastor. I don't have to wear nice shoes. Like, <laughs> like whatever. I'm the youth pastor. Like, yeah. <laughs> and the answer is no, you're 34. Like buy a nice <laughs> pair of shoes. Um, well, but, but if you can't not if you can't buy a nice pair of shoes because you're a youth pastor and you got no cash, that's another thing too. Right, <laughs> that's a diff- <laughs> that's that's a different. I'm not buying nice shoes because I'm a youth pastor. Yeah. Different different connotations there, um, right? But there's there's that like I'm just gonna be childish. I'm gonna make stupid decisions and I'm gonna and you end up modeling that for your students, right? You end up falsely being like, yeah, I'm one of you guys. I'm a big kid like you guys. That doesn't do them any any good. That oh. attempt at relevance doesn't help them at all because what you're saying is, 15-year-olds, <laughs> you've arrived. Right. This is what life will be like. Yeah. And instead, being able to say like, no, there are elements of your youth that can still persist and bring life and, and be life-giving and be great. Um, and there are such beautiful things there, which is... Which is why lots of people look at teenagers like, no, you taught me something. Like, <laughs> it, it it's like goofy and cliche, but but of course it happens because you yeah. you you watch people without preconceived notions. You you in scripture you bring teenagers to the text and they bring insights that that you don't see because they're coming with fresh eyes. I mean, all that stuff is great, but you don't have to take the whole package of being a teenager to get that part to to have that that child likeness. Yeah. Um, well, and, and I think, I think it's not only a problem, like bringing that child acting like that childishness is what you need to be a good youth leader. I don't think is only destructive for the kids. I think it's destructive for the church Yeah. because we're, we're also sending the church, the message that these are just kids and we're going to treat them like kids and we're going to expect them to be kids instead of, inviting them into the full life that Jesus has promised all of us yeah, and, and inviting them to be a part of the church of today, not waiting for them to get to some arbitrary age that we will decide that they are now the church, yeah. but instead treating them like, Hey, you are the church of today. When we gather as a body, if you're not here, we're not the whole church that we are. And so and if that's true, which I think we would all say it's true, then then that needs to mean something. And we yeah. can't just have them over on this. I, to me, that's what makes it. That's why you can't just have teenagers over on the side, yeah. right? Because that's that's then we're not the whole church. It just so it's why when we have communion, I hope 
every Anglican youth pastor that is listening to this, all three of you yeah. are, <laughs> are, are having your students and the, uh, the, uh, and the littler kids are a part of your service when it comes time for communion. Yeah. I, I don't I know suspect- if that was a sick burn on our podcast or on Anglican youth ministers in general, <laughs> that there's only three of us total or only three of us listening, but <laughs> maybe both. We, pro- we probably shouldn't make fun of ourselves like that, but, um, yeah, no, no there I- is something beautiful about that, about like, about trying to tell them like you haven't, I try and tell this to my students when we do, um, spiritual practices, like when we do like examine or things like that, I try and tell them like, I'm not, we're not doing something for you guys right now. Like when we're about to take 20 minutes to spend some time in self-reflection, like yes, to some degree, because I'm leading it, I have to be a little bit more mindful of the clock or whatever, but, but like you're doing grownups, like you're doing spiritual practice. These are not spiritual practices for you. These are spiritual practices for Christians. Um, and like, me and the other youth leaders are probably reflecting and writing in our journals and doing our own like work and time with God. Like this is not the, this is not junior church. We're inviting you into real church because you are real church. Like you are starting your spiritual life. Um, confirmation is sort of that moment when the, when the, the sort of seesaw tips to what is a gradual process of, you own your faith now and the confirmation process and what I don't know, we'll talk about confirmation another time or we've already talked about it and I forgot about the conversation we had, but (laughs) you know, we're, you're, you're starting to own this for yourself and and now hopefully you're on a sort of gaining momentum pace where, where you're hitting maturity, where, where you're adding more momentum to your spiritual life, where you're continuing on. And if, if our youth ministries are, built to say no dwell in the childishness now um we failed them and that, they're they're going to discard that as soon as they become adults right and that's yeah. why i i think actually that's that's a good example of why a lot of students when they get to college are just going to be like i'm done with that right that was just that was just childish stuff that was that was me being a kid i'm not a kid anymore so i'm going to I'm going to chuck out everything that I did and therefore, unfortunately, everything I was taught in youth group because it was, it was just being a kid. Yeah. And I, and I think, I think we do, I think we do a disservice also to adult, you know, to me, this is a message as much for adults, right? Mm -hmm. If you are in a place where you think your best years were, high school or junior high or college, first of all, God help you. But yeah. second of all, literally God help you because that's not the full life Jesus promised. Yeah. Right. And I'm not saying everything's going to be perfect and there's going to be no pain. And like that's coming. Jesus is coming back and there's going to be no pain, but your life should be maturity is a direction that we go in and your life should be better now than it was at some point point in the past when you were when everyone would look at you and say that person is still immature yeah and actually there's a there's a we owe it to our students not just in like behavior but in content to give them more challenging material yes Uh, like when you mentioned they're going to discard it quickly that that actually comes up in um i'm gonna i'm gonna hype another book that i read this is just the andrews book recommendations podcast 
Yeah, um, we just need to make sure these make it into the liner notes or whatever yeah, we'll you call do it, that. The, the program notes. The liner app notes. App notes. Um, <laughs> liner notes. So I'm a, so old. You are. All right, so <laughs> the book is called Exploding Stars, Dead Dinosaurs, and Zombies, Youth Ministry in the Age of Science. It's by Andrew Root, who I think is at Princeton. Um, he writes a lot of like theological takes on youth ministry. And one narrative he points out is there is this false narrative that a lot of um, that a lot of teenagers go to college and then find persuasive arguments about science and then discard their faith because they get a better answer. But in actuality, it's that they like they just feel like they grow up. Yeah. Like faith is the thing for for kids. Yeah. And then I and then I learn about about evolution and then I go. All right. Well, now that I'm a grown up, I'm going to deal with the real world, and 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 that's what it's going to be. Which is why we owe it to our students to to start to introduce them to the complexity and difficult questions. I think especially in high school, but maybe even middle school, to say like, yeah, that's complicated. Yeah, that's hard. Because I think inviting them into an adult faith is to even even show them. I mean, I wouldn't advocate like taking your own like current spiritual battles and be like here's where i'm wrestling yeah. with my faith right. that's probably inappropriate right. but i think it's perfectly appropriate to say like this is an area that maybe i'm not settled in or like right. this is an answer and i don't quite know how to deal with that for, for me it's like i think about in uh, i think it's matthew's crucifixion account where um like the dead rise from their graves and like walk around and talk to each other yeah, on Good Friday. Right. Yes. <laughs> and, and I tell my students like, look, I have literally never read a commentary on this that for, I can even remember what they said about it to try and explain this, let alone an explanation yeah. that I felt like, oh yeah, that answers that. Like yeah. at, at no point have I ever read something and be like, that passage makes sense now. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure listeners, one of you has a perfect answer comment on facebook and correct yes. me and be like please let us know <laughs> please let us know but yeah like i've never encountered that and i think it's actually really healthy to point that out to students like i think it's fine to tell them here's this verse yeah it is kind of weird isn't it and and i also your youth pastor and priest like don't fully know the answers to every single difficult passage in the text at least not an answer that that i hear and and no longer have any questions or struggles with is is satisfying, right? I, I remember yeah. I was having a conversation with uh, a text conversation with a student um, at, at one point. I don't even remember what we were talking about, mm -hmm. but he he threw out the he threw out a question, and I said, "Well, I think the answer that a lot of people would say is this one." Mm -hmm. And on the one hand, it makes sense, but I'll admit it's not super satisfying. Yeah. Do you agree? Yeah. And he was like, yeah, maybe. And I was like, yeah. And that's kind of where we are. Yeah. And so th there's three words that, again, Wheatstone puts to this. <laughs> uh, and, and that's romance, grief, and mystery. Right? These are three things that adults embrace in a way that's, that, that children are not able to. And that youth, part of what we're doing as we're inviting youth into out of childhood and into adulthood is to introduce them to romance, grief, and mystery. Mystery, I think, is a lot of what we're talking about right now, what we've been yeah. talking about. Um, grief and, and processing like deep loss um, is, is something that 
um, is, is another one that, yeah, I don't know where I'm going with that, but, but I think embracing mystery and Mm -hmm. we can talk about things that are mysteries like, and this is why I have, I have a hard time with the current ACNA catechism, right? And here's me, someone not ordained, have not been to seminary, and I'm now going to start, uh, you know, uh, criticizing some very, very smart people. Uh, yeah. But I'm gonna, but I'm gonna do it because I'm also a youth pastor, and I have to teach confirmation class, right. and I'm, I'm kind of expected to pull out the catechism and read the catechism with a 16 year old who just looks at me like. This is the single most boring thing you and I could possibly do. <laughs> and, and yet I really want them, I want them to understand what a sacrament is, the richness and the beauty and the transcendence mm-hmm. and the amazingness of what it means to go forward and to hold out your hands and to have the real presence of Jesus, whatever that means, placed in to consume the real presence of Jesus. Like mm-hmm. I want them to understand that. And our catechism, in my opinion, doesn't right now doesn't do a very good job of leaving space for that kind of wonder and the kind of mystery of it. It's like here, what's a sacrament? Here's an answer to what a sacrament is. Yeah. And the answers are good, especially like I spent a lot of time with the the catechism, the section on the Ten Commandments. Uh, I spent a lot of time in there last spring because I was doing a a series on the 10 commandments. It's a Mm -hmm. lot of really, really good stuff in there. And it answers the, some questions like really, really richly. And it, it turns the 10 commandments from this cold, like law into Mm -hmm. this like life giving Jesus, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. (laughs) I I don't know how to put words to it, but, um, but there's so, yeah, that's the thing I'm struggling with right now is, as I'm inviting students into adulthood and I want them to learn to embrace romance, grief and mystery, that, that list does not feel exhaustive to me. It feels like we could flesh that list out some more. I don't know. Um, we'll ask, we'll ask Peter gross about that when he comes on, but, um, I, it feels like there's a better way to do it than to, ask questions that we literally already have the answers written down to. Um, yeah. That, that doesn't, because that doesn't lead to exploration, which is one of those childlike qualities that we say that we need. Yeah. Or, or that I would say that we need to, yeah. to move in the direction that is maturity. And I mean, part of that is just the form of a catechism is a, have a short answer thing. And, and we're dealing with that. Um, that's where you got to get into some artwork, which actually that's a nice, closer spoiler teaser for next episode where we're going to talk about some beauty right we're going to talk yes. about beauty and truth yes um Thank goodness yeah so I, I think let's let's tie up this conversation let's Man, uh it feels like we're just getting started so i know i know but here's the thing listeners if you love the idea of of talking with eric and i about this stuff or you just want to yell at us about this good news you're gonna have the chance in october yes. um October 2nd through 5th is the Anglican Youth Youth Ministers Gathering uh, in Wheaton, Illinois. It'll be a chance to come hang out with a bunch of other Anglican youth pastors. We're going to have some workshops. We've got um, Bishop Stuart Ruck and Alan Hawkins, who is the COO of the ACNA. Is that? Yeah, 
I, I don't know um, exactly what his title is. But Alan Hawkins, who's like a dude in the ACNA. <laughs> he's way um, up there in the ACNA. You should a care big about deal. him. Um, Esau Macaulay's going to be speaking. There's a bunch of workshops. Awesome. Um, yeah, Esau is great if you haven't heard him speak before. Um, lots of opportunities to just spend time and talk and hang out with other Anglican youth pastors. If you show up the Tuesday night before, we're going to have like a mini pre-conference gathering that's going to be a lot of fun just to hang a out pre, and talk later A pre-conference to the pre-conference. That's right, because the Anglican Youth Ministers Gathering comes before the Rooted Conference, which you can go to as well. A bunch of people will be going to that, um, and there's some great speakers with that. All of that is on the Young Anglicans website. So go to younganglicans.com, register. Um, you can sign up for the conference. If you have any problems finding housing or want to find a roommate, we can work that out for you. Whatever you need to do to get to this conference and um, come hang out with us and come stay up late into the night after we hear some good speakers and talk into the night. Eric and I basically envision this podcast as an extension of our late night conversations that happen at these yearly gatherings. So absolutely. We would love to have you there. Please come. Um, our yeah, theme for this year, the theme for this year is the soul of the Anglican youth minister. Um, we want you to come and be encouraged and receive some training and equipping, but mostly just come and hang out with other youth pastors. It's always a really, really great time, so don't miss it. All right. I'm going to close with uh, the collect from Common Worship for Augustine for his feast day. Here we go. Let's pray. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Merciful Lord, who turned Augustine from his sins to be a faithful bishop and teacher, grant that we may follow him in penitence and discipline till our restless hearts find their rest in you. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Grace and peace, friends.